Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. I just want to share too, you know, when it comes to Bible prophecy or end times or revelation or what have you, you know, Bible prophecy was always meant to encourage the believer. <laughs> it serves as a warning to the unbeliever, but really Bible prophecy is meant to encourage the believer. And uh, we've been going through a series that we titled Current Events, just taking a look at the landscape of the world and all the things that are happening. And uh, I don't know about you, but one of the words that seems to stand out everywhere I look is war. Uh, there's, and, and there's an overarching spirit behind war, and that is fear. And you have the war in Ukraine, and Russia's not giving up, Ukraine's not giving up, especially when the U.S. just gave them 50-some-odd billion dollars of your taxpayers' money. And, um, and that was after they left behind billions of dollars in Afghanistan for the Taliban. And, um, you know, like, there, there's just war everywhere. As soon as you open your browser in the morning, you're hit with uh, some political uh, push that's supposed to inspire fear and frustration and anger, and it's war. Uh, there's wars that are launching, uh, across, shooting across the bow on both sides of the aisle in the government. Uh, there's a war on masculinity. There's a war on, on uh, femininity. There's a war on the babies. Who would have thought the most unsafe place for a child would be inside the child, inside the mother's womb? And that is happening all across the world. And so there's this massive amount of war and anger and frustration. But despite all of that, we are called to live above and beyond what we see here on earth. God is God. And one thing that we forget sometimes is that there's actually two realms, right? There's, there's, there's a spiritual realm that we live in and a physical realm. Uh, as born-again believers in Christ, you realize that you have a spirit and you also have a body. And your spirit will live forever. Your body will soon one day pass away. And we understand that we have access to both realms. And when you read the Bible, you can make sense of the wars that are going on. And when you can make sense of the wars that are going on, you can have peace. And we all realize that there's a war within a war. That there, there's, there's a physical war, but really it comes down, there's a spiritual war. In every battle you see, there's actually a spiritual battle that's taking place. And so today, I feel on assignment from the Holy Spirit, on a mission, to destroy the war against you that is coming in the form of fear. And so I want to give, uh, we're going to take a look at a famous passage of scripture, the famous uh, story of David versus Goliath. And we're going to take a look at that today, but I'm going to pull out seven practical things that you can put in your life to absolutely obliterate fear and to live a fearless life. There's one thing about David, when you look at David, even as a young man that went up against Goliath, you're like, man, this kid had guts. This guy was fearless. What are some things that we can grab out of that famous text of scripture that applies to our lives so that we can, uh, we can live fearless? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into the story that's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's pray together as a church family. Let's just turn our hearts towards God. Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you for your word today. Pray for the peace that surpasses all understanding to guard our hearts and minds today. Lord, none of us came to hear a man speak, but we all came to hear you speak. So I just pray in the moments that we have, God, together to get today that you're going to speak. I pray that our pens wouldn't be able to write fast enough for the downloads that are going to come from your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for your word. Your word is alive. It's truth. And the text that we read today, God, I know it speaks to us today. So I pray that you would breathe on it. pray you'd give us eyes to see something we never saw before. Give us ears to hear something we never heard before. Give us minds to understand receive fresh revelation. And Lord, I pray for hearts that believe. I pray for hearts that are full of faith. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, this is your gathering. Take us wherever you want to go. Do whatever you want to do. We yield to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right, if you can go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. So this is, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV just because it 
lays things out a little bit clearer. We're pretty much going to go through this entire chapter of Scripture. So high five, Super Christian Award today to you, uh, because you will have read practically an entire chapter of Scripture today before 12 noon. So, I mean, you're just a rock star already. 1 Samuel 17, are you with me? Say amen. All right, we'll wait for the two people that aren't, okay. <laughs> if you don't have your Bibles, we got a big Bible right here next to me on the screen. So 1 Samuel 17, all right, we'll jump into it. Now the Philistines, by the way, the Philistines, every time you hear about them in Scripture, they're kind of known as the bad guys. For those of you that are new to, new to the faith, Philistines typically were the bad guys. And so it says, now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sukkot in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Sukkot and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. All right? Anybody been to Israel, you know where this valley is. It's a famous spot. And you, and you literally have, when they say like valleys and mountains, there literally is this big valley floor and you have this mountainous area where people would camp out there. Now there's some homes built in the mountainside. And you see this big valley. And so they have one army on one side, one army on the next. And then verse 4. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was six cubits in a span. He was a tall dude, almost ten feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Just choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this, the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. I can't believe the children of God forgot who they were to the point that they would let some foul-mouthed big guy bully talk to them in such a way that it would inspire so much fear. But words that you say, words that you hear and listen to can inspire a lot of fear. When you, when you got to watch what you take into your ears because it can fill you with fear. What you take in every single day when you open Instagram, when you're seeing what somebody posted or reading the news, it's meant to inspire fear. My background before, uh, uh, before I became a Christian, as I grew actually in, in pastoring, I worked in the marketplace. And one of the jobs that I had uh, in kind of where I found myself was in the marketing world. And it used to be that uh, uh, in marketing, in the 80s, they were like sex sells. That was the common slogan in marketing, sex sells. So everything got sexier and what have you. And then they found out in the 90s and in the early 2000s, you, no, 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 sex doesn't sell quite as good as fear sells. Because if I can get you afraid of something, I know you'll buy that thing that I want to try to sell you to keep you from whatever that fear is. It could be in a leak in your home. It could be getting a disease. It could be whatever it is. If somebody inspires fear in their marketing, we're more apt to buy it. They found out that fear sells. And so fear has been selling us a lie. It's founded on a lie. It lives in a lie. It's motivated by lives. Fear is is a lot of people's God. And fear just crushes you down, breaks down your mentality, breaks down your ability to make good decisions. So for 40 days, this guy, Goliath, is coming out, coming out from the battle lines, and he's cursing, he's, he's yelling at them, he's putting them down, and every day they're just watching this happen, and the more they watch and do nothing, the more fear that they have. 
So I want to breathe, I want to look in this text today and I ask God to breathe on it, but I want to show us seven keys to defeating the spirit of fear as we see in this battle. First thing you do when you face a fear is number one, you name the fear. Number one, you name the fear. Too many people claim something, but they don't name the fear. God wants you to name it, not claim it. What am I talking about? Some people have fear of poverty, but they don't look at it like that, they don't name it, so all they do is they claim it, well, I've always been broke, my parents were broke, I'm probably gonna be broke. And so they're always worried and there's this poverty mentality that they never have enough. And it's not a, it's not a financial thing, it's a mentality. I know rich people that struggle so much with poverty, I call it the poverty of riches, you got a lot of money and nobody to spend any of that with. And so they get to this place where they're always fearful and everything's always on the defensive rather than being offensive and they never have a moment to really enjoy anything. They have this poverty mentality. It's a fearful mentality. So my question to us today is, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? What fear do you have in your life? Maybe it's, you know, as a man, at different times, especially when we were having lots of babies, I was like, I was a little bit afraid, Lord, am, am I gonna be able to provide for my family? That was a fear that I have. There's times where maybe you've struggled with sickness and you thought, Lord, I'm, I'm really afraid of getting that disease that took out my friend, my family member, a loved one, a parent. I'm afraid of that. In the NFL, there's uh, stories about these big ginormous linemen that are, you know, 350 pounds, could bench press a truck, but they're afraid of the dark, and so they would literally sleep with the lights on. What's a fear? What are you afraid of? Some people are afraid of success. Heard from a pastor a few weeks ago, and he was afraid that he would fall into sin and commit adultery on his wife because his grandfather did that. And it was always in the back of my mind, I'm just afraid that I'm I'm gonna fall and walk in my grandpa's footsteps who I'm named after. That was his fear. You gotta name it. What, what is it? Put a name to that. What's robbing you of your joy? What's destroying hope? In other words, what keeps you up at night? What do you lose sleep about? What is that fear? Too many people claim the fear rather than naming it. And I only wanna speak or claim things over my life. This is a pro tip for us here. I only want to claim things and speak things over my life that God says about me. So I'm not going to claim, oh, we just never have enough money. I don't know how we're going to make it. Man, I always get sick this time of the year. I always struggle with this. Man, I, I, I just have, I have, a, I have a bad memory. I, I'm, I, I'm horrible at remembering facts, blah, blah, blah. Those little declarations over your life actually carry big weight. In fact, next week, I hope you can join us next week, I'm actually gonna give you declarations every morning with my kids as we drive to school. We read out and we go over this I am list and it's all these promises of God. I am this, I am that. And we go through them all and then we go through the 10 commandments and then we put on the full armor of God. And so next week, I'm actually gonna share that with you and give that to you as a tool that you can have in your tool belt as you walk out your Christian life. So don't just... Don't, don't claim it, you gotta name it. There's no fear that you're ever gonna have in your life that, get, that God does not have an answer to. Do you know that? There's no fear that you're ever gonna have that God doesn't have an answer to. And fear is almost always based on the future. And most fears actually don't come, they, they don't come to pass. Things that people get scared about. You could be fearful of drowning. Uh, because you got ripped out in, in the riptide, or you could have, whatever it is, you could have a fear of the future, or what happens in this, and what are we gonna do, et cetera. Anytime that you place your fear on things that you see, you miss what God says. And so the Israelites, what they were doing is that they were getting fearful because of what they saw, this giant that was coming at them. They forgot that they were the children of the Most High God. They forgot all that God did. That's why when you read through the Bible, they would have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That book, Deuteronomy, it's also known as the book of remembrance because all throughout the book of Deuteronomy, it says, remember the Lord. Remember when he did this. Remember when he did that. Remember this happened. Remember this with your kids. And he wants you to recall those things. So as believers, when we combat that spirit of fear, we remember who God is and we remember what he said. Amen? So number one, you name the fear. You don't claim it. 
God is the answer to all of our fears. So if God is good and loving, and he is, if God is all-powerful, and he is, if God has a purpose and a plan for your life, and he does, if we are his children, and I hope today that you are, then there's really no reason for you and I to fear anything. God's in control. So number one, name the fear. 1 Samuel 17, verse 12, picking back up the story. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of sons. That's a lot of testosterone in one house. He had eight sons, and in Saul's, army, Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. But David, the youngest, went back and forth from Saul to tend to his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So David's going back and forth to tend to his father's sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistines came forward every morning. The Philistine, Goliath, came forward every morning and evening, and he took his stand. And now Jesse said to his son David, he said, Son, take this, this ephah of roasted grain, which is about 36 pounds of grain. Why don't you take this ephah and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp? Take along these ten, che- these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. So David's going out with the charcuterie board. And he says, see how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out and Jesse, as Jesse, his dad, had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting their war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies and he ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. So number one, you gotta name it. The second thing, the second way that you combat fear is through faithful obedience. You don't have much to fear when you're living in accordance with the word of God and what he told you to do. <laughs> when I was managing a company and at one point had 100 employees and directors and which is uh, really just 100 headaches. <laughs> so yeah, I remember I was managing this and there's some things that can kind of go awry when you got that many employees. And I remember uh, an employee had really fallen short and done something horribly wrong and calling them into my office and asking them a few questions that begin to surface the fact that I was trying to get to allowing them an opportunity to fess up what they had done. And they just kept lying about it and lying about it. And it was like, brother, just put down the shovel. I already know the answers to all the questions that I'm asking. Your heavenly father has questions that he wants to ask you to go down the line, but he's looking for faithful obedience to help you overcome that fear. Faithful obedience. Put simply, if you do the little things now as if they're big things, soon big things start happening in your life as if they were little. I'll say that again. If you do little things now as if they were big things, then soon big things start happening in your life as if they were little. Uh, I was blessed to speak here in Needham Chapel to a bunch of the students at Vanguard during the school year. And uh, they had one of, their, one of their nights, and they had worship, and, and I was the, the guest speaker. And they were asking about, like, you know, g- give us some, you know, scriptures. A lot of us are going to be going into business. Uh, you know, share with us, Pastor Jeff, kind of some things that you did that, that the Lord did in your life to, that helped you in business and blah, blah, blah. And it really comes down to just simple obedience. Listen and obey. And, and if you don't know what to do, you go to the Word of God quite simply, and the Bible tells us what to do. And that's where we take on faithful obedience. We're faithful to God's word and what he's asked of us. It's kind of like somebody that's got fear in their finances. Let me just hit on this one for a second. If you're living in fear of financial, uh, your financial situation, and I've been there. I remember uh, when, when my son River, who's sitting on the front row, I remember when he was just a baby, and Fauna and I fell on really hard times. It was after the crash of 08 that happened where everybody found their houses in short sale and foreclosures and everything else. It was a really fun time. And, uh, and I remember going and putting gas in my car and then going home. And Fauna and I are changing him and laying him down for the night. 
and giving him a kiss goodnight, and I go to look and prepare and set things out for the middle of the night baby changing. Any moms know what that's like? You, you gotta be prepared for that 3 a.m. diaper blowout, right? So I lay some stuff out because you know you wake up and you're like half asleep and you don't even know where you're at, right? And the kid's crying. And so I, I lay some stuff out and I go to look and we don't have any more diapers. And I'm like, man, and I know I just overdrew my account to fill up my car with gas. And that was a hard season for us financially. And, and I had... In that moment, those experiences led to little bits of fear that just kind of stuck in me about the provision of the Lord. So if you're here, I'm just going to share my story in hopes that it encourages you. If you've experienced that, how do you combat that? Number one, you go to the Word of God. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, right? So you go to the Word of God and you begin to pull out promises of God over your life and over your finances. Promises like he blesses the hands of the diligent, um, that, that he takes delight in the prosperity of his service. You go look through all these different scriptures and it's just full of, the, of blessings and prosperity. You look at the children of Israel as a whole, just look at that nation. The, the, the Jewish people are some of the most blessed people in the entire world. Why? Because they actually believe that God wants to bless them. They believe in the promises of God. And so I began to do that. The other thing that I did, goes back to number two, is that faithful obedience. So I said, okay, so here's the word of God. This is what it says. What's the faithful obedience? Am I still gonna trust God? God says, test me in the tithe. He says, test me in this. Give me, you know, if you test me with that 10%, I'm gonna throw up the windows of heaven. So if I didn't tithe, it means, God, I kinda don't trust you. <laughs> I don't trust that you're gonna open the windows of heaven. If I wasn't going to tithe, it meant, God, I don't really actually believe that you're the provider. I kind of feel like I'm the provider, and I'm not, not doing a really good job at providing for my family right now. And so when you look in the Word, and you say, okay, do I really trust you at your Word? Do I really take you at your Word? Do I really believe you're going to throw open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing? Do I really believe that you rebuke the devourer? Do I believe that you remove pestilence? If I really believe that, then I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to return to you that first 10%. And I'm going to trust as I give you my best, my first and my best, that you're going to bless the rest. That's simply all the, all the tithe is, is. It's just simply I'm trusting you, God, with my first and my best. And I believe that you're going to bless the rest. I want to share a testimony really quick. There's a young man in our congregation. And he came to me the other week. And he just said, hey, pastor, I started tithing. You know, it's a big step of faith for me. I make $20 an hour. And I'm just believing God. And, uh, and then he came to me two weeks later and he said, you would not believe what happened. I said, what? He said, I started tithing and I was making $20 an hour. I just got a raise. I said, how much? He said, they gave me a raise of $2 an hour. Well, that's exactly 10%. So he went from $20 an hour to $22 an hour. And he was like, yeah, I never thought I would be able to afford to tithe rather than looking at it through the lens. I don't know if you read the Bible and you really pull out all the promises of God, I don't know that you can afford not to tithe if you're a Christian, right? So that was just a little area. So I remember those times in my life when my family were going through it. It's like, did you still tithe? Yes, I did. Were all my needs met? Yes, they were. Not in the way that I thought. And we got to, uh, we got to uh, eat uh, humble pie because I made some really dumb financial moves in my life. I don't blame that on God. I blame it on me, and I take the correction. And Fawn and I signed up in that season. We signed up for a, a course on how to manage our finances. We got a budget in place. We began to be diligent and strict. How many know those are hard lessons to learn, but man, they're good lessons to learn, right? But we weren't ever begging for bread, right? The Bible says that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or sitting on the side of the street begging for bread. That's not God's plan for you. God wants to provide more than enough for you. So if you have a fear in that area, I want to encourage you, live in obedience. Live in obedience to what God tells you to do. Remember, Fawn and I were just on our um, uh, anniversary a few weeks ago for our 20 years. We celebrated 20 years. We were over in Zion. And there was a woman there that we met that was working at a cafe. And uh, she's there, and, and her son was kind of running around with her and, and got to talking. And her son was 14, and she was there, and we heard her story and just brought tears to Fawn's eyes that her husband took them on a family vacation there. They got into a fight. He said, I'm done. That was the straw that broke the camel's back, got in his car and took off and he came back to LA and left her and the son there in Zion in Utah all by themselves. Goodbye. Not knowing what to do, they lived in their car for a few weeks, finally got a job and here she is working. And Fawn shares with how she, Fawn was able to pray with her and 
And then Fawn shares the story with me, and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And I, and I, and I, I remembered that I had $100 cash in my, in my pocket, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit just said, that $100 is for her. And I'm like, that's all I have. And the Holy Spirit's like, that's all I asked for. <laughs> Good point. You know? And so we were able to give that. And, and honestly, I mean, that's a, that's, that's, a, that's a small amount for somebody that's facing insurmountable odds. But to that woman, it, it might as well felt like a million dollars. She broke down crying, shared a story with Fawn, and they've been able to keep in touch and continue to minister to her. And so there's little things like that that God brings along your way so that faithful obedience to the word and faithful obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit. All right, let's pick the story back up. Verse Sam, 1 Samuel 17, 23. So here's David, and so he's going to the camp to see his brothers. He's got a charcuterie board. He's ready to rock and roll. Verse 23, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, steps out from his line and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it this time. And whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to a man who kills them. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David's ears start to pick up. David, David says, what, what will be done for this man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And they repeated to him what they had been saying, and they told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. So they're like, hey, you get to be part of the king's household by marriage. You get one of his daughters, and your family gets to be exempt from taxes. David is like, sign me up. <laughs> Where do I go? Sounds like a good thing. Now, mind you, David said goodbye to his dad and traveled out there to the lines, not knowing that this moment was going to come. It's not like he was prepared and he had been, okay, I'm in, in a few days, I'm going to come back here. And so he goes back home and he gets a slingshot and he's like, whew, and he's practicing and he's hitting the target and hitting the target. It wasn't like that. David just rocks up to the scene, sees this going on, and something inside of him, it just didn't sit right. Just didn't sit right. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that's trying to challenge the armies of the living God? Like, who's this guy? Who's this joker? And y'all are afraid of him? Oh, my goodness. I can only imagine with eight brothers the kind of trash talking that went on back at the camp at that time. So point number three, in defeating fear, you got to find your motivation. Find your motivation. David was confident in God, but he had a picture of what his future would look like. No taxes, married to the king's daughter, right? When you don't have your perspective right, sometimes you can find a wrong motivation. Uh, my wife, her parents, they have a, this, I call it a cabin up on this river, the Skagit River up in the North Cascades in Washington State where we're from. And um, yeah, I call it a cabin, but it's really just like this trailer, single wide trailer with a lean-to you know, roof put on it, right? And, and the river goes right out front of it and to most people, it's nothing to look at. To me, it's like a slice of heaven, man. I just love it. I love going up there. I love the musty smell. Um, I, I, love, I, I love just the sound of the river down below. It's just heaven. Give me a sleeping bag and a big fire, man, I'm happy. And so we, we've gone up there uh, many times with our kids. And in one particular time we went out, I took a buddy of mine up there. And when the salmon are running, which is usually in late July, early August, the salmon are just coming like crazy. And you can see them because by the summertime, the, 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 the river gets really low. And so the river's getting lower and the salmon are swimming upstream. It's just beautiful. And so we go out there and we would have, go spearfishing. But what happened is the salmon were so fat, we would spear it and we'd go to pick it up. Before we could get it on the shore, a salmon broke off one of our prongs of our spear. We're like, oh my goodness, man, these things are massive, like huge salmon. And so, uh, so we get down to our last spear um, of a three-prong, and all of a sudden that one breaks. So we break three of them on this one spear, and we're like, dude, how are we going to get dinner tonight? Like, we were planning on getting, like, we, me and my buddy go up there early. We're planning to fish, and we're going to get the salmon, and we're going to have it all cooked up with butter and rosemary and everything else. And the ladies are going to show up, and we're going to be like, your men have got dinner ready for you tonight, you know? And here we are getting skunked, and there's 
fish everywhere. And we're like, what are we gonna do? And so we're out, we have no fishing poles because we were just spear fishing. Man, what are we gonna do? And so there was this little area where the salmon would kind of hang out. And anytime that we'd go down into the water, they would go and turn and swim downstream. Because if they're, you know, when they're going downstream, like they can fly, right? When they're going upstream, it's slow. And so I told my buddy, I said, hey, you go over here with an oar and slap the water really loud. I'll come down here with the net and hopefully we can try to scoop one up. Sounds like a good idea to me. So he goes upstream, I get down with the net and he slaps the water and the salmon come and boom, we snag one. Massive, big fat salmon. And so we throw it up on the shore and we're trying to beat it. You know, sucker's just like, you know, he's like, <gasps> you know. And so finally we get it and we're like, yeah! It's just like this primal moment, right, of manhood, you know. And so we get and we cook that sucker up. What's my point? If, if, you, don't, if you don't focus, if you're not focused on the things of God, if you don't have the right motivation, Satan's going to slap the water and you're going to turn and run and do something out of fear and you're going to go right into his net. Thank you very much. That's why it's so important to have your mind being renewed and recharged on the things of God. 1 Samuel 17, 30. Let's pick the story back up. So then he turned away to somebody else, he being David, and he brought, brings up the same matter. What's going to be done? What's happening? Who gets what? what, what if, they, if they take out this Philistine guy? And he finds out, and they gave him the same answers before. Verse 31 what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. So basically what's happening, David's going around saying, what's going on? He's like, are you sure? I'm going to go confirm it with these guys. So what happens again? Now, if I go out and I kill that guy, what happens? And they tell him. And then he comes over to this, and then finally some troops said, hey, somebody go tell Saul. It seems like we have a would-be would warrior right here, you know? And so here's David to run around. So then they bring him up in front of Saul, right? Verse 32, so David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go fight him. <laughs> I love that. Verse 33, Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. So here David, he's going into sales mode. He's like, no taxes, your daughter is my wife. Hey, let me tell you what makes me so great. He's like, your servant's been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, and I rescued it from the sheep. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, I struck it, and I killed it. Your servant himself has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God like I could just picture David like dude let me at him you know like he's like put me in coach like get me in the game you know so there's David and then verse 37 the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine Saul looks at him and says all right go and the Lord be with you. I mean, what, what am I going to say? This kid, all right, I'm buying what you're selling, David. I'm going to let you do it. Verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, which was probably actually a very honorable thing to do, right? So Saul dressed David in his own tunic, and he takes his coat of armor, and he puts it on him, and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his, on his sword over the tunic, and tried walking around because he was not used to them. And he said, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. So basically, what you've given me to wear, it just doesn't fit. I understand that it fits you. This does, it just doesn't fit me. So he, took off, he took, takes those off. And then verse 40, he took his staff in his hand. And he chose five smooth stones from the stream. And he put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Point number four, you need to get your weapons. You need to get your weapons. If you're going to fight and you're going to overcome the spirit of fear, you're going to have to grab your weapons. You're going to have to get ready. When you're about to fight a battle, you need the mind of Christ more than the wisdom of men. David did not need Saul's armor. He needed what he was comfortable with. 
There's a lesson in life, don't ever take advice on war from someone with no scars. So many people read books, they seek spirituality and answers to questions and all these things, and some of that's really good. But above all, you need to get in his book. You need to get into the Bible, you need to open the word of God. Rule of thumb in my house is we don't get on this device until we've gotten into the Word of God. I don't go electronic until I've actually had time in the Word of God. And I personally like old school paper. I like the Bible that I can hold and smell and highlight and everything else. And uh, then I have my journal. And as I read the Word of God, I just begin to highlight different things. And then I'll write down and journal different things. You need to get into the Word of God so that the Word of God gets into you. So that when you get squeezed by the things of life, what comes out is the promises and the Word of God over your situation. So how do you find motivation for that? Some people say, I kind of want to do that, but where's my motivation? Simple. If you increase your prayer and your worship time, you're going to get the right motivation. I love Pastor Fred's message last weekend. Isn't Pastor Fred so cool? Didn't you love it? One of the things he said, he said, you guys need to armor up. You remember that in his sermon? He said, we don't need any more spiritual streakers out there, all right? Got to get your armor on before you go out the door in the morning. And when you up your prayer and your worship time and your time in the Bible, it's amazing the confidence that you feel. And even like this, this last uh, Wednesday when we gathered together for all church prayer here in the sanctuary and there were 17 of us, uh, there was actually a prophetic word that was spoken over Isaac, uh, which I, don't you just love Isaac? I'm so blessed by Isaac and his heart for worship and heart for God. And, and this dude, he like plays the piano, he plays keys, he's learning bass, he plays electric guitar, he plays acoustic guitar, he sings, you know, he raps, he just does it all, you know? And, uh, and, and one of the gentlemen that was there at the prayer meeting, this guy Chris, said, you know, you think you're picking out an instrument, but God says you're picking up your weapon. And you're picking out a weapon to fight in that moment. So you need to know, what's the weapon that I'm fighting with? You know, in the Bible, there's, there's, there's a lot of angels, but we only get the names of three. There's only three named angels in the Bible. There's Lucifer, who's out of a job, by the way. Uh, then you have uh, Michael, and you have Gabriel. So Lucifer represented worship, Michael represents prayer, his war, right? And Gabriel represents the word of God. He always had a word that he was gonna declare and speak to somebody, right? And, and if I had to boil down the Christian life into three key areas, worship, prayer, and the word of God. If you are strong in that, I have yet to meet a Christian who's strong in those areas that is not fighting the good fight of faith and has overcome evil, right? Somebody that's lacking in those areas, usually you're gonna be facing a lot more fear than you wanna face in life. So um, anyways, that wasn't in my notes. That's a freebie. There you go. This past weekend, um, uh, Chris Odo, who I recognized earlier, uh, he's the coach of my son's football team. And on Friday night, they had their, their championship game. And Chris wrote uh, on all of the boys' forearms in a marker, Psalms 144, verse 1. In Psalms 144, verse 1, I'm going to read it to you. I don't, I don't think we have it on the screen, but I'm just going to read it to you. He wrote this on their arm. It says, praise the Lord who is my rock. He trains my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle. So that's what the boys were all, you know, jacked up about going out for their, their final game, you know. If you're, if you're going to be on the offense, right, if you're gonna, you know, it's, it's okay. If, you, if you're on the defense sometimes, I get it. Everybody gets hit in life. Everybody gets sucker punched at different times. And you're kind of like, I'm batting this. I'm trying to stop this. This is coming at me. I got this coming at me. At some point, you're going to have to flick the switch, and you're going to have to go from defense to offense. You're going to have to make an offensive move. You're going to have to change your attack approach, right? Prayer and worship, when you up that game, brother, I'm telling you, it's, it's just it's, it's the fragrance of heaven is going to come and hit your life. You're going to have fresh uh, energy. You're going to have more perspective. You're going to have the presence of God. And when you get into the presence of God and his presence comes on you, man, you come out of a prayer meeting and you feel 10 feet tall and bulletproof. Somebody says, well, how long should I pray? Uh, you know, I'd, some people say, pray 20 minutes. Jesus said, could you not tarry with me an hour? Is it good to pray an hour? You know what? Pray until you feel so successful in your moment of prayer and confident with God that you can get up and face anything that you're gonna, that's going to come your way that day. That's how long you pray. You pray until you get the confidence, all right? So number one, you name it. Number two, live in obedience. Number three, you find your motivation. Number four, you pick out your weapon. And then let's jump into verse 41. Verse 41, meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield 
bear in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy. But he was glowing with health and a handsome young man, and he despised him. And he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. So now he's cussing at him. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'm going to strike you down, and I'm going to cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those who gather here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Trash-talking David. Point number five, you need to declare war. You need to lift your voice. You need to get excited. Jesus didn't say, when you pray, think. When you pray, whisper. No, he said, when you pray, say. And there is a victory shout that God is wanting to give to you. He doesn't want you to be a weak-kneed Christian that's always worried and fearful of everything coming your way, and you're running around like chicken little, like the sky is falling, the sky is falling. No, the Lion of Judah, wants to, he wants to breathe into your spirit like Isaac was singing that song this morning. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy. Come on, lift up your voice. There's a lion inside of you. Come on, you gotta stand up, you gotta shout, you gotta sing. Sometimes you just need to lift your voice and scream out some promises of God over your life, amen? And if you don't know what to say, you just say, God, I don't know what to say, but I believe you and I just trust in faith that you're gonna turn this thing around. If it's family, if it's a job situation, if it's children, if it's marriage, God, I don't know what's going on, but I just trust you, God, to turn it around. Turn it around, God. So point number five, declare war. The most frequently repeated command in the Bible. Do you know what it is? The most frequently repeated command in the Bible. Fear not. Over 300 times. Fear not. Fear not. I think the Lord is trying to tell us something. Declare war. Speak God's words over your life. So David says this, and then in verse 48 it says, As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. So he wasn't just kind of moseying on up. David said, This is my time, and he was just going. He ran quickly to the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, he takes out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down to the ground. So there goes Goliath. Boom. Timber. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and he killed him. David runs over and he stood over him and he took hold of the Philistine's sword. So he grabs the Philistine's own sword and he drew it from its sheath. And after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they lose their minds. They freak out, they turn and ran. Point number six, you gotta take action. So it's good to say some things, it's good to declare some things. You're gonna have to do some work. And some of us have greater fears in our life than others. Some of you have been through trauma and it's not as easy as you would like it to be. I believe that God can touch you in a moment that that fear can be gone, but you might have to walk it out when it tries to come and knock back at your door on Monday morning. Some of you might need a counseling session with somebody like Nicole. Some of you might need to get a good book. Some of you might need to defeat the fear of finances by actually meeting with somebody and having them teach you how to do a budget. Whatever it is, you'll have to take action. I can't do it for you. I would love to if I could. I can't. It's something you got to do. He wants to prepare your hands and your arms for battle and for war. 1 Samuel 17, 52. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout. So these guys are like, he really did it. And so they're like, whoa. You know, he won. Knockout. Done. So they surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and the gates of, and the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along Shiriam, the road, and Gath and Ekron, and the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. And point number seven is stay in community. 
You defeat fear by staying in community, that your victory isn't just for you. My victory isn't just for me. I shared that story of transparency, of some real stupid stuff I did with our finances back uh, 13 years ago that led us into a really difficult spot. My victory in that helped me to help other people out of similar situations. The victory that God wants to give you isn't just for you. It's for the rest of the camp. It's for everybody else. And just as you were able to walk victorious and you could plunder the enemy, we're gonna come with you in that. So when you show up to church, it's not a place I just physically show up. It's a place I spiritually show up. My shield is your shield. You know, the Spartan army um, is, is heralded as one of the most fierce armies that ever marched on the, on the planet. And they had, a, they had a saying, my shield is your shield. And when they would come into the battle lines, they would hold their shield with their left hand and their right hand, they would have their sword. And, it, and that shield that I had here was not for me. My shield was to guard you as I came around and got the enemy. And as I'm getting the enemy here and coming over the top, this guy's shield is in front of me. And this guy's shield is in front of him. Your shield isn't just for you. My shield isn't just for me. My shield is for you. 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 My shield is for you, Chad. My shield is for you. My shield is for you. And we need to band together as a community of faith, recognizing that God doesn't want us to do life alone. And that's the beauty of the community groups that we're gonna be launching. And I hope you get involved in one of them because truly it's not just a fancy slogan like, oh, life is better together. No, I, I really believe in the days ahead, you, you may not have much of life if you don't have that community group around you. By the way, you need your crew in your community before you face a crisis. Who, who's your Who's your crew? What, what does that mean? Who's your crew? Your crew is if you're broke down on the side of 405 and you're like, I don't even know what to do. My car won't start. I, who do you call? That's your crew. That's your crew. Crew is a person where it's like, man, I really screwed up today. And I know I can call them because they're not gonna judge me. They're gonna love me. I know, I know they'll encourage me. I know they'll help me. That's your crew. You need your crew before you hit your crisis in life. Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives, and that includes those that are held captive by fear. He also said that truth is the key to freedom in John 8. And here's the truth. God is good. God is love. He has a future filled with hope for his children. He is a refuge and a fortress. And for those reasons and so many more, Psalms 91 rings out. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor that arrow that flies by day. Don't be afraid of the pestilence that walks in the darkness. Don't be afraid of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. I want us to all stand as we close out today. And I know I've gone a little bit long today. Thank you for allowing me to kind of go through that. I really feel that the Lord wants to just totally defeat that spirit of fear. And with a spirit of fear, yeah, it's good to counsel, but you cast it out. And so we're gonna declare some things today. And if you're struggling with fear, if you're like, I honestly do struggle with some fear in these areas of my life, I want you just to come forward. We're gonna have some prayer time right, right now. Prayer team, go ahead and come forward. If you need prayer for anything today, you may say, well, I don't, I don't really struggle with fear, but I would like some prayer in this area of my life. Come forward for prayer. We would like to pray with you. But specifically, if you struggled with fear, fear for the future, fear with your job, maybe your marriage, life, if you struggled with fear, we want to pray over you. Go ahead, don't be shy. Just go ahead and come forward right now. We're just gonna pray over you. We're just gonna defeat the spirit of fear. You don't wanna walk out of here carrying the spirit of fear. You wanna walk out of here carrying that shield of faith. Amen? Praise God. Go ahead and just make your way up. God, I thank you so much right now. I thank you for your power. I thank you, Father, for defeating every spirit of fear that would try to come against your people. In Jesus' name right now, we just command that spirit of fear to go from our minds and our hearts in Jesus' name. Everybody just say, in Jesus' name, spirit of fear, go. Holy Spirit, come. Fill me fresh today. Fill me with confidence. Fill me with hope. Fill me with faith. In Jesus' name. Fear go. 
Holy Spirit, come. Fear, go. Holy Spirit, come. Come on. And any time that you face and you feel like fear is coming against you, you just shout that out. Fear, go. Holy Spirit, come. Fear, get out of here right now in the name of Jesus. You spirit, get out. Holy Spirit, come. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for a spirit of faith in this place today. Thank you for blessing your people. God, I thank you, Father, as we walk forward from this place, God, that we walk filled with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for a freshness in life. Thank you for a freshness in this day. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you that your word is true. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for removing every spirit of fear. God, thank you for guarding hearts and minds in Jesus' name. And God, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us of anything that we've taken in, in media or books or anything else. There's anything that we've taken in that we need to get rid of. Would you just show us that, Holy Spirit, so that we can just respond and get rid of that stuff? Some of you might need to delete Instagram. I'm serious. You might need to delete some phone numbers. You might, you might need to turn off your phone and remove devices. Some of you may need to stop going to that group that you go to. God, I thank you for removing that spirit of fear right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray your blessing upon your people today. Come on, let's just receive from him today. We just receive from you today. God, we receive faith today. Thank you, Lord God, for throwing out fear and giving us faith. Thank you for taking out hopelessness and giving us hope. Thank you for taking out poverty and giving us your riches, God. Thank you for removing disease and giving us divine health. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord God. We love you, God. We receive from you today. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for your blessing. We thank you, Father. Thank you for your kindness today. Hallelujah. 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 For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.